My name is Michael, and I'm one of the pastors here. If you don't know me, and you're probably wondering at this time, was he always this physical specimen, this absolute athlete that's preaching us to us this morning? Maybe he looks like a young Jason Statham. I don't know. But I want to say, no, no, I wasn't. These hands were for, lead, for reading. They weren't for fighting. Um, I found my place at university, and I actually realized that I was quite an academic. I liked books. Uh, but when I first went to university, I realized that I actually lived quite a sheltered life. I lived quite a, a, like a, a sheltered life that at a private school, and I had a good family. But when I got to university, I, all my thinking was challenged. Everything that I thought about the world was challenged at that moment because university is this melting pot of different cultures. It's this melting pot of different races and demographics. And the way that I viewed the world wasn't the way that many others viewed the world. And during this time, also, I needed glasses. And I didn't realize how blind I was until I put my glasses on. And that's probably for you as well. But we don't realize how blind we are until we put lenses on. We don't realize how we can't see things clearly before we put these lenses on. And we have these lenses of our prejudices, the lenses of our upbringing, of our past, maybe past, hurt, past hurts or anything else, of our financial situations. And we have all these lenses that we view the world through. But we also do this with our relationship with Jesus. We have lenses that we view Jesus through, through our past traumas, through shame, through sin, whatever it may be, we view Jesus in a certain way. And through this book of John, through the Jesus Unfiltered series, we're saying that we want to take the lenses off and we want to see the Jesus of the Bible clearly. We want him to define how we see reality, not the other way around. We don't want to see him through the lens of COVID. We need to see COVID through the lens of Jesus and the Bible. So this morning, we're going to be looking through the book of John, John 9. So why don't you take your Bibles out now? John 9, 1 to 12, you can take your phone out and go to the Version app, and we'll be there. But we're going to read the word together. And it says this, As he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents said, sinned, said Jesus. But this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. After saying this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told them, wash in the pool of Siloam, which the word means sent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. His neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, isn't this the same man who sat and begged? Some claimed that he was. Others said, no, he only looks like him. But he himself insisted, I am the man. How then were your eyes opened, they asked. He replied, the man they called Jesus made some mud and put it on my eyes. He told me, go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed, and then I could see. Where is this man, they asked him. I don't know, he said. Let's pray. Yeah, Jesus, this morning we come before you, and in the midst of changing situations, in the midst of COVID-19, in the midst of this pandemic, Lord, I pray that we see you clearly this morning, 
that your voice will be the loudest in our lives, Lord, that you will take the scales off our eyes and that we will see your light, your hope, your purposes, and your promises fully this morning, that you will get all the glory in our lives, that you are above COVID, you are above the pandemic, you are in control, and you are so much greater. So we pray that you have your way in our hearts. May we leave you transformed by your gospel and your grace, but will you get all the glory in our lives? We pray this in your mighty name. Amen. Amen. Why don't you turn to your neighbor and say, there is something bigger going on. There is something bigger going on. So this story takes place right after the woman caught in the act of adultery. And the Pharisees actually want to stone Jesus. And so they are pursuing him. But before Jesus just flees from the Pharisees, he takes a moment and he stops and he sees this blind man, this beggar. See, Jesus is never in a hurry. Jesus is never in danger. He takes a moment, he stops, and he sees the blind man. And that is a picture that Jesus sees us this morning. He takes a moment in the midst of chaos, in the midst of this pandemic, in the midst of COVID-19. He sees you. He sees you where you are. And so there's something bigger going on here. So we need to see his purposes. And so this is a story of divine grace, and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. Point number one, see his purposes. The disciples went along with Jesus, and they asked him a bunch of questions like they normally do, and they asked him all the tough questions. And I want to tell you that the disciples, they were earnest, they loved Jesus, but sometimes they just didn't get it. They just missed the mark, and I can imagine Jesus shaking his head in this moment, going, my boys, you've walked with me for so long, you're just not getting it. But he's saying, it's not the parents nor the man who sinned. See, the disciples were trying to draw this distinction about what they knew. See, there were two schools of thought in that day about sin and about ailments. The first school of thought was that a specific sin in a person's life would lead to a specific suffering, that a specific sin in that man's life when he was born or when he was young led to that specific blindness. And so they were trying to link the specific sin with the suffering that they saw in front of them. The second school of thought is that the suffering that the person had could be passed down from generation to generation, that it was the parent's sin or some other relative's sin that was passed down and could cause this man's ailment. So they were trying to make sense of the world. They were trying to make sense of the circumstances that they saw in front of them. They were trying to make sense of the suffering that they saw in front of them. And they were trying to draw this uh, distinction between cause and effect. But Jesus is saying, no, you guys are missing the point. It's not a specific sin that is causing the suffering. It's the existence of sin in this world. We live in a broken and fallen world. We live in a world with sin, but Jesus is going to come and restore the world towards himself. He's already defeated death and sin on the cross, but he's coming back and he's going to restore it towards himself. But the disciples are trying to make sense of their circumstances, and we too make sense of the world this way. We make sense of the world with cause and effect. We are taught from a very early age, the stove equals hot, and if the hand on the stove equals aina. That is how we make sense of this world. And if we put our hand back on the stove just to check that the first time wasn't a fluke, that equals stupid. That is what happens. We make, this, we make sense of the world in this way of cause and effect. Our causes determine effects in our realities. And we make sense of our relationship with Jesus this way as well. 
If I do enough of the good things, if I read my Bible, if I go to church, if I attend life group, then I will be right in the sight of God. I will be in the good column, and then He will love me more. But if I do wrong things, if I keep on holding on to that sin that I cannot shake, if I don't go to church, if I forsake the things of God, then He will be disappointed in me, and He cannot love me. We make sense, sense of our relationship with Jesus in this way, in causes and effects. But the truth of the gospel is that Jesus took the penalty of our sin. Jesus took the effects of our sin on the cross. And Rory Dyer put it in such an amazing way a couple of weeks back. He said, if you sin on the night before, if you watch porn the night before and crash your car today, the two are not linked. It is not God's judgment on your sin that you crashed your car. See, God doesn't deal with that. He doesn't deal with just our causes and effect. He is greater than those things. His purposes are greater. And so we need to see God's purposes, especially during this time. Think quickly. Have you ever asked the question, what is my purpose in life? What is my purpose in life? Imagine how this man must have felt. He was blind since birth, and now he, he cannot see, and he's hearing this group of rowdy men talk about his sin around him. He was blind. He wasn't deaf. He's hearing these group, this group talk about him as if he wasn't there, but he say, and he may be asking the same questions that they are asking. What is my purpose in life? What is the meaning of the suffering? What is the meaning of this blindness? Maybe you're asking that today. What is the meaning that I don't have any money in the bank? Why is my situation like this? I want to say when we look at the causes, Jesus looks at the purpose. When we look at the causes of our situations, at the causes of our circumstances, Jesus looks at God's purpose. We need to turn away from using the causes of our circumstances as the decisive explanation for the reason and meaning of our circumstances. We need to turn away from any surrender to sin, to futility, to chaos, to anything meaningless, and we need to turn towards the purposes and plans of God. There is no person and no suffering outside of God's plans. We need to know this this morning. There is no person, no suffering, no circumstance outside of the plans and purposes of God. See, this is a beautiful picture of the gospel. Jesus sees us. He sees us in our darkness, in our brokenness, in our despair, just like he saw the man, and he reaches out to us. He pursues us, and he is above it all. See, we, make truth, uh, we try and make meaning and find truth in our suffering. And for suffering to have any purpose or meaning, we need to link it to God. See, Jesus says that the purpose of this blindness is to put the works of God on display. That means that for our suffering, for all our circumstances to have ultimate meaning, God must be supremely valuable to us. More valuable than health, more valuable than your life, more valuable than your wealth, God must be supremely valuable to us. See, for anything to make sense in this world, God must be the highest value in this world. There's many things in the Bible that may not make sense to us. Why? Because God isn't the supreme value in our lives. If you want an ultimate purpose this morning, find it in an ultimate Savior. If you want ultimate purpose in your life, in the midst of COVID, in the midst of this impending lockdown, will you find your purpose in an ultimate Savior? Because He's the only person who can bring purpose to your life. See, I pray this morning that God will be the most valuable thing in our lives. He will be the most valuable thing, greater than pleasures or treasures or talents or time or wealth or health, that God will be the greatest value in our lives. 
Why? Because His purposes are above our own. See, God's purposes are at work in every situation. I feel like we need to know this this morning. He's at work in the situation when the man was blind for all his life. He was at work in that situation. Right now, in the midst of COVID, he has at work in the situation. He is above it. He is in control of it, of it, and he is greater than it. God's purposes in my life are for his glory in my life. Not my own, because God's purposes are beyond my own. I'm going to say that again. God's purposes in your life are for His glory in your life, not your own, because His purposes are beyond our own. They are greater than our own. Imagine the power and the authority we would have as believers if we stopped being oblivious to the purposes of God in our lives, and we started living intentionally by faith to pursue God's glory in our lives. Imagine the power and authority that we would have as believers, that no fear could harm us, no works of the enemy could get into our lives. Why? Because God's purposes are greater, and He declared that on the cross, that He is victorious. How much power and authority will we have? See, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in Him. God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in Him. And those causes... Those circumstances that you are facing are not decisive in determining the, mean, determining the meaning of your life. You can't find meaning in your mess or your pain to determine what your life is, what the value of your life is. Only God can determine that. Only God's purposes and God's promises. There's something bigger going on here. We need to see His purpose, and then we need to see His promises. It is for His own glory that God gives you His promises. It is for His own glory in our lives that God gives us His promises. It says this in John 1, verse 4 to 5, In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. That is the promise that we have, that Jesus is the light of the world, and He has overcome the darkness. He has overcome your sin. He has overcome your trial. He has overcome your suffering. Jesus is the light of the world. And the amazing thing about Jesus is that promise doesn't depend on our abilities, doesn't depend on our holiness or our purity. It only depends on His character, because He is a good Savior. He is a gracious Savior, and He loves us. And so we need to know that He is for us, but He pursues us, but He also gives us His promises to sustain us. Why did Jesus heal the blind man in such a way? Think about this for a moment. It's very simple here. The man was blind. He could not see. There's this group of men that He is around Him, but then maybe all He hears, remember He can't see now, and then maybe all He hears is a... He's, he's hearing that uh, meal from last night that Jesus is clearing out of his throat. <laughs> and, the, and Jesus is doing something absurd here. He's using the ordinary for the extraordinary. He's getting into the dirt, people, and he is spitting into the dust to make mud. Do you know how much spit it takes to make mud? I tried it. It takes a lot. But this man is blind, and he can't see anything, and he's just hearing this. <laughs> and then he's hearing spit, and... <laughs> 
And I can imagine this man was terrified. He's going, what is going on in this moment? But the beautiful thing about this is the same dirt and dust that we were formed in, Jesus uses for his miracle and for his blessing. The same dirt and dust that is in our lives, he uses for his blessing. And he gets into the dirt and he begins to shape. He gets into the dust of our lives. He gets into the darkness and the muck and the mess. And he begins to shape and transform this man's life just as he shapes and transforms our own. That is the Savior that we serve. That is the Savior who pursues this man. That is the Savior that sees you this morning. He uses the ordinary for the extraordinary purposes of God. See, there is something bigger going on here. Jesus doesn't just abide by cause and effect. He doesn't conform to the rules and laws of mankind. He is greater than that. He is greater than the rules of mankind. He is beyond our own reality. He is the creator. He is the redeemer. He is the restorer. And this should give us such encouragement this morning. Why? Because he is greater than our circumstances. He is greater than COVID. He is greater than the lockdown. He is greater. He created the earth. He's not surprised by it. He's in the muck. He's in the mess. And he is bringing life and light to it. See, this healing takes place on the Sabbath day, and there is a reason that Jesus is doing this. He's trying to show the world something. He's trying to show the world that he won't play by man's rules or by man's laws. There are a couple of things which are illegal to do on the Sabbath day. You cannot work, and the Sabbath day is the Jewish uh, day of rest and healing. And so what we see is Jesus is showing that he will not play by man's rules. There's a few things that are illegal, and one of them is to heal anyone on the Sabbath day unless they are dying or close to death. And so what Jesus is saying here, you don't know how dead this man is inside. You think he's just blind, but actually, no, this man's soul is at stake. And so I see your law, and I'm going to trumpet, and I'm going to breathe life into the situation on the Sabbath day. There's another law which says that you cannot make any dough or make any bread on the Sabbath day. And that word for dough is the same word for mud. And so when Jesus gets into the dirt and the dust and he begins to form, he's saying that you, the laws of mankind have no place here. The laws of mankind are purposeless to bring life and hope and restoration in this, surf, uh, in this situation. But just see what I do. I don't play by your laws. I don't play by the rules of mankind. I do something new. I do something supernatural out of the natural. And so we see this beautiful Savior getting into the dust, getting into the dirt. And why is this so important for us? It shows us that Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath. He is the Lord of every situation, every moment in our lives. And the purpose of the Sabbath is for healing. See, He's not a Savior who is distant and removed from your situation or from your circumstances. He's a Savior that gets up close and personal with you. He is a Savior that gets in the dirt in the dust, in the muck and mess, and He wants to bring restoration. He wants to shape and transform. Where you are powerless and hopeless in the natural, where our natural laws end, Jesus is working for the supernatural. Where you are powerless in the natural, Jesus works for the supernatural. And the point of Sabbath rest is healing. That is why we rest, healing. The point of Sabbath rest is that we are helpless and God is not. God creates, God sustains, God heals, we do not. What day could be better for God incarnate to find a broken man and heal him, 
to give him and his parents rest from blindness, rest from anxiety, rest from all these things. He wants to do that for us. The point of the Sabbath is healing, and healing is only found in Jesus. Jesus is our rest. Jesus is our healer. Jesus is our restorer and hope. We need to find Jesus, rest in Jesus, not our situation, not our causes, not the effects of this world. No, we need to find healing and rest in Jesus. There is something bigger going on here. He is declaring to a watching world that he is the savior of the world and in him is the hope of the world. See, he's doing something here and he breaks yet another law. Yeah, I know, Jesus is a little bit of a rebel here, but he breaks another law on the Sabbath. He sends this man to go walk. And again, these laws are confounding, but it is illegal to walk over 2,000 cubits in length on the Sabbath day. What that works out to is roughly just under a kilometer. It's around 900 meters. And it is illegal for anyone on the Sabbath day to walk more than 900 meters. But he sends this man to go to the pool of Shalom and walk and go wash him the mud off his eyes. Why does he do this? He is saying to a watching world that if your sin goes far, I go further still. If your shame goes far, my grace goes further still. If your circumstances go far, if your debt goes far, if your divorce goes far, my grace and my love and my sustenance goes further still. He's saying that the natural laws have nothing over this man's life. They cannot heal or make that man right in the eyes of God. Only Jesus can. And that is the God that we serve this morning. See, the man wasn't healed when Jesus put the mud on his eyes. The man was healed when he responded to what Jesus was commanding him to do, was obedient to that, and came back. The man was healed when he responded in faith to the purposes and plans of God. What is your response this morning? What is your response? Are you going to let COVID determine how you feel, determine how you respond to the world? Or are you going to let your Savior determine that response? Are you going to let Jesus determine your response? Are you going to be obedient to His purposes and His plans? See, when we meet Jesus, it needs to change and transform our lives. That He is Lord of every moment. Every moment. Not just some, not just the high ones or the good ones or when we don't have lockdown. He is Lord of every moment. And we need to live as such. We need to glorify Him in every moment. Because remember, his purposes are for him to be glorified. So in every moment that we live our lives, we need to remember to glorify him. See, we need to see his purposes. We need to see his promises. And we also need to see his perfection. God has a good, wise, and Christ-exalting purpose for each and every one of us. He wants to be made known in our lives. He wants us to glorify him in our lives. And when we see this encounter of the blind man, he's, he's healed, and then he goes to speak to the Pharisees and his family, and the Pharisees are beginning to ask all these questions. Is this the same man who was blind from birth? How can this be? How can this man's life be so transformed? We don't understand it. The Pharisees knew all the scriptures, but they could not see. Jesus was teaching us something here. He wanted to heal the man from physical blindness, but he also wanted to heal the man from spiritual blindness. See, spiritual blindness is when we cannot see God's truth. We cannot see God's will or presence in our lives. We are far from the purposes of God. But he is wanting to restore the man to himself. He doesn't just want to restore his sight. He wants to restore his heart. And it says this amazingly in Isaiah 42 verse 7. 
and I want us to lean in here. I am the Lord. I have called you in righteousness. Life changes. He has called you in righteousness. I will take you by the hand and keep you. He keeps you in the midst of COVID, in the midst of these changing circumstances. He keeps you and he holds you. I will give you as a covenant for the people, a light for the nations. Jesus is our light to open the eyes that are blind, to bring out the prisoners from the dungeon. He brings us out of our prison and from the prison, those who sit in darkness. See, Jesus wants to open our eyes. He wants to bring us, free the prisoners, and he wants to free us from darkness, from sin, and from shame. See, Jesus has already done that on the cross, but sometimes we live our lives as if the prison door was still closed, but it is wide open, and he is saying, walk out, my child, for you are set free. Walk out, my child, for you are restored. Walk out, my child, for you are healed, and I am the hope and the light of the world. See, this is what is on offer for us in Jesus. The man did not see who healed him, but he knew that it could only be from God. Why? Because only God can heal and restore in such a way. And this leads us to this amazing verse where this man who was blind from birth is declaring to the Pharisees, he's saying this, whether he is a sinner or not, I do not know. But one thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. I was blind, but now I see. I was helpless, I was hopeless, but Jesus is neither. I was helpless, I was in my darkness, I was in the dust, I was in the same position I was in day in and day out, but Jesus restored my sight. Not only did he restore my sight, he restored my heart, and something is changing, something is transforming, and Jesus is faithful to what he has started. He will see to completion what he has begun, and I want to tell you this morning, he is the Savior who can bring sight in the darkest of times. He is the Savior who can bring light in the darkest of times. And we see that the Pharisees just don't get it. They don't understand it. They are blind. They are more blind to the world and to God's purposes than the man who was blind from birth. See, when they don't understand something, when we don't understand something, we do three things. We begin to defend. We begin to deny. And we begin to dispute. We need to see Jesus clearly. And we need to hold on to what Jesus has done in our lives. What he is doing. What he will do that he is faithful, that he is good to his promises, to his purposes. We need to hold on to those things, and we need to see his perfection. And once we see his perfection, we have to change the way that we live. See, once we see the glory of God, we cannot be unchanged before his glory. We cannot be unchanged. We cannot let our lives be determined by our causes, by our circumstances, by the trials or temptations in our life. We need to be determined by the purposes and plans of God. That is what Jesus is saying here. This is for my own heart today. We need to stop fixing our eyes on sin, on our sin, on that thing that we're holding on to. We need to stop fixing on our eyes to that meaningless idol, to that thing that we're giving our time and our energy to. We need to stop fixing our eyes to that bank account which is in debt. We need to stop fixing our eyes on the divorce which is impending. We need to stop fixing our eyes to that mental illness or, illness or that condition that is hanging over your eyes. We need to fix our eyes to Jesus' perfection. That is what he is asking us to do. And once we see God's truth and we see God in fullness, we will see that this is not dependent on ourselves. Jesus pursues us. It is Jesus' perfection which pursues you every day as you take a new breath in the morning. Jesus' perfection pursues you. 
It says this in verse 35. Jesus heard that they had thrown him out. The Pharisees cast this man aside. And when he found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is he, sir? The man asked. Tell me so that I may believe in him. The truth of the gospel is that Jesus seeks us. Just as he went and found that man, Jesus finds us. But he doesn't just want us to stay as we are. He wants to transform us so that we will be more like him. So he says, come as you are, but do not stay as you are. He wants to shape and transform us from the deepest, deepest parts of our soul. He doesn't just want us to be physically healed, our sight restored. He wants us to be restored in the deepest parts of our heart. Why? Because then we will glorify him. We will see his fullness in our lives and nothing will be able to stand against the purposes of God. Jesus said, you have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. Then the man said, Lord, I believed, and he worshipped him. Which miracle was more divine? The fact that the man's sight was restored or that his heart was restored? What do you want from Jesus this morning? What is your response going to be? See, the man had two responses. First, he had to respond to what Jesus was telling him, and he had to obey to what he heard, and he went to the pool and he washed, and he was healed of physical blindness. He was restored in the physical. But then he had to respond to the purposes and promises of God, and his heart had to come awake to God's plans in his life, and then he worshipped him in fullness. See, there's a response that Jesus wants from every, each and every one of us. It is to worship him. And that isn't a moment on a Sunday when you're at church or when there's worship music playing in the background. It is an everyday reality of our hearts. It is a posture to see God's glory in every aspect of our lives, whether we are at work, whether we are with our family, whether it is a tough day, whether we are tired or frustrated or lockdown is impending. God wants us to glorify Him in every moment. He wants us to worship Him in every moment. And I promise you, once we do that, we will see our lives shaped and transformed before our very eyes. Why? Because He is a good God. He is a faithful God, and He sees you. He pursues you, and He wants to transform you, and He is faithful to that. He just wants you to worship Him.